Hello, everybody. Welcome to this week's episode of the Crubcast. We have an additional dancer here on the YouTube side of things today. Uh, it's actually our special guest for the episode. But first, my name's Kevin, the host of today's episode. I'm also known as the Golden Bolt. And along with me are three of my co-crubbers today. Uh, first off, Moriarty. Hi, Em. How you doing, bud? Hello. I'm so happy to be here. Perfect. Awesome. And we're also here with the person who stopped dancing too early, uh, Nico, all hail buckets. <laughs> <laughs> it's a papa's party. What's up, gamers? Coward. And our special guest for the episode, the unofficial ninth member of Crub, I think I would say, uh, Peter, also known as Mini-Me on the YouTube front. How's it going, bud? It's going well. Hi. Uh, I'm the honorary Australian correspondent for Crub. <laughs> I'm happy to report the news, all gaming news coming out of Australia, which there is a lot of, so I'm happy to be here. Live on the war front. Down That's under. right. Yeah, no, we're, we're struggling for water down here. <laughs> That's He's our true. man Shit. on the street. He's in Mad Max yeah. world. I didn't think about that. Oh, God. <laughs> so um, we don't really have any of our usual prompts for today's episode to start discussion. We're just going to kind of uh, chat with Minnie a bit because uh, while we've chatted with him a bunch uh, over the years for a long, long time now, um, a lot of folks that um, maybe are in his fandom don't necessarily know a, a ton about him outside of his content. So uh, let's start with um, a little bit about you. If you want to give us a little like uh, a little Tinder profile or something uh uh tinder male, specifically we yeah, tinder 27 specifically. sydney asl um <laughs> i uh i'm peter you might know me as mini me i've been introduced already but um i'm australian i i review obscure video games on the internet and i don't often talk about myself in those videos so i guess this is presenting as an opportunity to talk about who i actually am yeah um yeah i i I guess I've spent the last like five years or so, five to ten years making YouTube videos, uh, and me and Bolt, me and Kevin or Bolt, whatever I, you. Prefer I'm gonna to go call back him. and forth because I usually go with Mini or um, as just popped up on screen eight. That'll be the only time we yeah, acknowledge no, that. <laughs> Let's, we're not talking about no, that. No, that's it. Um, I just call him Snacks. I call Kevin Snacks. That's fair. Snacks works True. too. So me and Snacks, <laughs> me and Snacks met on this uh, on this forum. Not a forum, which case, a Reddit page, a yeah. Reddit Discord server. This is nerdy. Um, I had 100 subscribers and he had 350 and I was incredibly jealous. I remember this. Uh, this was, um, yeah. so this was the NewTuber server. We've talked about it a bunch on prior episodes. That's where a lot of the YouTuber crew that um, M and myself and the whole Crub crew know we met through NewTubers. So yeah. um, I remember back in the day that, you know, you had mentioned that way later when we were when we um, become friends. And mm. then it was funny because in the same breath, I was like, yeah, but then you went from like 100 to like 40,000 in a day. And I was like, God damn, how do you do that? So yeah, it was like a mutual jealousy that. until now we're just kind of yeah. like we send each other our scripts and stuff. So any mini yeah. script, any of the Golden Bolt script, it usually has a little bit of the other person in there in terms of uh, yeah. proofreading and stuff. Yeah. For the past handful of years, we basically send each other Google Docs and then shit all over them. <laughs> <laughs> it's pretty accurate. I'm uh, not oh, going to lie. Can I swear here? Maybe <laughs> no, yeah, I have you to can. That. You're, no, you're good. Okay, you're good. good. Um, and then, yeah, then, then the other person goes through and fixes them. So every single script of mine is good because Kevin has read through them, um, which has been fantastic. And I attribute a lot of my videos actually being good to that. But uh, yeah, I don't know. 
It's me. Hi, Peter. What do you, what do you want to know? Ask well, me a question. AMA. So, so before we get into uh, some more introductions in terms of how you integrated with the Crub crew, Nico, for example, has only been speaking to you for about 10 minutes, uh, despite you uh, guys yeah, being dude. pen pals for years. Yeah, I was going to say, literally, before we started recording, I was like, oh, yeah, dude, I feel like you're my pen pal. Like, literally, we talk quite a lot in the server. Like, I mean, we talk about, like, music and stuff, right? And it's like, yeah. uh, I, you know, so I feel yeah. like I know you. <laughs> <laughs> yeah it feels it's it's yeah it's so what he's saying is we've never actually voice chatted but yes. we've chatted in text for a really really long time just like linking yeah. each other music and and yeah. posting terrible memes um <laughs> so yeah it's funny yeah. it's funny finally chatting to you it's 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 a good time yeah we're mm -hmm. having fun here dude absolutely um, before we jump mm. into anything else though i did remember uh as you said your name i, I should have known this ahead mm. of time that uh, we do have an icebreaker for every guest of the Crubcast, which is that uh, you need to give us a quick Joe Swanson Family Guy impression. Bring, bring me Mate. the Swanson. Hey, Peter. <laughs> hey, Peter. Okay, okay it's Patrick. Uh, I can't even do an American accent. Uh, <laughs> hey, 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 Peter. Hey, well, hey, Peter. We'll take that. Uh, I'm, I'm a cop. I think, I think we should do oh. Australian accents, too, just in solidarity. I, I feel like in solidarity, I'm going to go through one by one. Oh, God. Nico, you're up. Do your best. G'day, mate. How you going? Do you? <laughs> G'day, mate. How you going? Oh, <laughs> Shrimp oh. on the barbie. Oh, <laughs> rough. Oh, yeah, it's bad. It's bad. M, you're up. Yeah, nah, nah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> that might be the most accurate one of the three of that's, us, actually. Yeah, that's pretty impressive. That's pretty I'm okay good. with that yeah. one. I will, um, I'll yeah. try and do it as Joe Swanson. I'll give myself an extra challenge, because I'm not an accent person. I'm not good at accents. Um mm. Good day, Peter. That's it. That's all I got. <laughs> it's, Joe all right. Swanson's gimmick right. is that he doesn't have like a voice. He just has his own mm. voice. You know, here's my Bernie Sanders impression. Hey, Peter. I'm Bernie Sanders. Vote I'm for Jennifer me. Coolidge. It was my turn. So anyway, that's out of the way. Hopefully you enjoyed that. Uh, as a reminder to everyone before we jump into things, uh, this is available on YouTube at youtube.com slash at official. Most of our episodes are recorded live as well. You can follow us on YouTube or Twitter to get more of that stuff. We're everywhere at official. Uh, these are also available if you go to crub.org in the audio realm. You can find every single audio platform for podcasts. That matters. I will still stand by that today. Um, so if you go to crub.org, you can leave us a nice little review. That really helps things. Um, yeah, do that. But if you have a bad review, don't. Yeah, don't, don't. don't leave that one. No, we don't need it. We don't, we're positive. <laughs> if you have a bad here. review, put it in the YouTube comments. Yeah, yeah. Shit so on us Pete, on YouTube. We're used to it. Let, let, let's just get right into this with Pete. Can yeah. you share the process behind choosing games that you decide Ooh. to review? Oh, um, Yeah. So sometimes, sometimes I just have a bunch of games lined up in my head and I try them all and they're all terrible and I get sad because I don't have anything to talk about. Um, but usually what I do is I'll, I'll kick back, pop in a few, a few GameCube discs, a few Wii discs, a few PS2 ISOs on PCSX2 <laughs> and, um, and I'll just sort of happily try them out and, and my main metric for whether I want to talk about a game is more to do with whether it is interesting rather than good or bad. So if a game is absolutely terrible, as long as it's interesting, I'm happy. If a game is brilliant, but kind of boring, whatever, don't care. Um, 
So yeah, the main thing when it comes to video games, and sometimes what'll be interesting about it is more to do with its um, development history than its uh, than its actual gameplay or anything like that. So I'll try and I'll often try and track down a developer to talk to and do an interview and chat with them. Like I, I did the um, the band Queen made a game in the late '90s and it was terrible and kind of boring and sort of a dodgy Resident Evil clone. Um, but it it sort of went through development hell and the band themselves were on the board, like dictating creative decisions. So I wanted to go and talk to the guy who made that. Uh, and that was really, really fascinating. So I'm always looking for like, I'm always looking for an angle, you know, uh, it's propaganda. Um, <laughs> but or, like, it's not hard for me to pick a video like Kevin will know, like I'm always just shooting him ideas and he's Same. like, that's a great idea. And Same. then I never really act on it like I guess my brain over the last like my whole life has been so obsessed like when I was a kid right I used to just like click Wikipedia pages like I literally just hung out on Wikipedia just reading about video games um so I've sort of become this really like ultra nerd book of knowledge type person yeah um so I'll often know if a video game is interesting before I've even played it a lot of the time um, and I'm always looking for stuff that is obscure as well. I, d I don't want to cover stuff that people have talked about a lot um, because it just feels redundant. But uh, it's really yeah. hard, I think, to choose what your your I don't know niche is because you've got Vin Diesel or racing games, weird games, graphically impressive games, mobile games, right? And then you're also yeah. doing Crime Boss. <laughs> yeah, and it's funny doing Crime Boss, Rocky City, starring Michael Madsen and Chuck Norris because. When I've reviewed that, and I never really review new video games, maybe like once a year at most. Um, but even when I reviewed that, people were like, God, this is the most mini-me game ever made. I can't believe you've like covered this. And um, there's a lot of like tongue-in-cheek celebrity worship on my channel. So I'm, I'm, I'm often talking about Vin Diesel and Tony Hawk. Vin Tony Diesel Hawk especially. is in every thumbnail. Yeah. Um, <laughs> So when a game came out, I guess, that was a crime game, which I do a lot of crime games, and full of B-list celebrities who I often celebrate, uh, I guess it just fit the channel perfectly. But uh, yeah, I guess it is very eclectic. Um, a through line that I've noticed in my videos for the most part is they're actually set in contemporary or realistic locations about 95% of the time. I think that's the only, like, sort of... Between each video, it's usually set in the real world yeah. rather than like a fantasy or sci-fi. But otherwise, there's not a lot of connecting chain between them. Well, so I think it's interesting because you had mentioned the whole Wikipedia thing. And I think I've mentioned either on the podcast or one of the uh, pre-podcast recordings we did that way back in the day when I was like maybe like 10 I've always been a Wikipedia fiend myself in that I'll go through, I'll use it as a starting point, and I'll just research the hell out of something in some ADHD hyper-focus binge. Mm. And uh, back in, like, middle school, that equated to me, like, trying to fix both, like, the Ratchet & Clank fan wiki and the Family Guy fan wiki, a show that I haven't watched in <laughs> 10 years at this point. Hey, um, Peter. Hey, Peter. And... So it's interesting that we both kind of had that uh, that uh, mind meld there for one, but also that uh, the three of us that do gaming YouTube content, sorry, Nico, uh, here all kind of had a similar uh, end game path to where we are today. We all started pretty much. I mean, technically, Peter, you started a little bit earlier with some earlier gameplay type things like proto mini me stuff. But um, mm. we all started pretty much in 2016, you know, seven years ago, right at the same time, just about. Um, 
and we all independently found our way to talking about the the history and the backstory of different uh, games or the properties surrounding those games. And I think that's kind of interesting because it, it shows a way, uh, in a way, the shift that YouTube has made for, for gaming creators uh, over the years, you know? Yeah, I, it's it's funny to think about like how much the videos we make are the result of us shifting because of YouTube and shifting because of our tastes and, you know, uh, we are sculpted by the world we live in. Yeah. This is a deep existential question. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it's, it's, it's funny. Like when I was a kid, I used to obsess. I was a GameSpot fiend as well. Cause back in okay. the day, GameSpot was a fantastic website. You could blog on there. You could make friends. There were forums. I like memorized review scores for like most games, <laughs> which is very like were you a console wars were you a console wars kid yeah dude ps3 for life (laughs) um (laughs) yeah no so like i guess yeah it's it's a funny thing because i think i think the thing that connected us more than youtubers more than being youtubers was probably the fact that we were all just like super video game nerds honestly like me and em have had long conversations about like late 90s early 2000s pc games and mm-hmm. like it, i mean we were all in the same discord room right reviewers yeah. list is where where we all kind of built a friendship yeah. that's right but reviewers list the room name was less of a it was less about video game reviews and more just about talking shit about video mm-hmm. games which yeah. is funny to yeah. look back on um and it's funny that we all have such a big history with each other i feel like i'm I'm like this guy on the other side of the country that just like weaseled into your group chat and just like complains about landlords all day and you just ignore it and it's fun. <laughs> no, no, we're all in favor. We all somebody's, agree. Somebody's got to do it. Somebody's yeah. got to yeah. bring the levity. That's right. You yeah. know? <laughs> well, and, and even worse was like, you know, you were across the world, not to cut you off, Nico, but you were across the world. And if not for 2020 happening, we probably would have met up at too many games. That's right. Mm-hmm. I, I had my flights booked, my accommodation booked. I was gonna go, I was gonna go fly up to New York and say hello, but it didn't happen. Yeah. It's a bit sad. One and now day. the US dollar is really high and the Australian dollar is really low, yeah. so it makes no sense for me to visit. So you guys should come here. Yeah. See, Nico, Crump I know you have expense. connections to Sydney. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Dude, yeah, no, I, I have relatives down there, man, and it's. Mm. Uh, I mean, I, I was down there, so I actually made a bad investment because I had some. Uh, Australian dollars that I have just physical that I was waiting for the conversion rate to be better. <laughs> nah, they're getting worse, man. You're you're out of luck. See, now's the time to go to Australia, though. Now is the time we exactly. make a club business trip. We oh, we true. expense it to the company. Yeah, dude. I'm sure we can afford tax. it. Clearly. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. That's right. Yeah. So we definitely n- won't go deeper in debt with that one. So <laughs> so Nico, you had mentioned um, how you guys talk about music pretty frequently in the server as well, because you know obviously we're all a bunch of game nerds, but um, it's not just like we only talk about games when we're not just talking about games here. So I know you, A, you had some other icebreaker questions you wanted to throw out to Peter. And B, uh, if you want to share a little bit about those music discussions, if any of them are, are particularly interesting or notable. Yeah, I mean, mostly Kid Cudi, right? Yeah, Kid Cudi. <laughs> when yeah. Man on the Moon 3 dropped, I think we just talked about that for like two months. <laughs> yeah. I remember that, yeah. Oh, man. It's a great record. I mean, it that is. was like... That was a pretty, like, strange time in the world, right? Because that was kind of like, I don't know, that dropped in 2020, right? Like, it was the same year as COVID. And it was just, like, the first, like, good music that we had released um, that year. And so I was just so pumped to have somebody to talk about it with. Yeah, dude. And and the, 
I feel like the fact that it was Cuddy and like all Cuddy talks about is like mental health issues in every single song and we're all just locked down and depressed from COVID. It's like, damn, this record just hit yeah. at the right time. Yeah. Um, oh man. And plus since our server is like, everyone's in the sauce, it's, it's always, uh, it's good to have that release, you know? Mm, mm. Um, yeah. Finally dude, not I, I talking wanted... about video games. <laughs> yeah. Right. <laughs> yeah. Um, I wanted to ask you, you know, so obviously like you make a lot of, um, a lot of videos around like racing game, like not racing game, but like car based games. Right. And then some crime games, some skateboarding and, and extreme sports. Those are the ones that I wanted to focus on and ask you about. Like, do you do any of that stuff? Like IRL? Are you like, do you go to, I don't know, do they have car shows in, in, uh, Australia or do you, uh, do they have you know, vehicles do you do, there? <laughs> do you do crimes? They all have do spikes you, uh, on the wheels. Do you, do you skate? <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm actually real deep in the crime world. I shouldn't talk about it. This is why I never talk about myself. Um, no, we do have cars. We have four wheels. They're, they're pretty interesting. I don't know if you guys have them, but they're sort of these big metallic boxes with wheels. Anyway, um, never I guess, heard of it. I guess... Yeah, I do skateboard, not as much as I used to. So growing up as a teenager, it was a almost an everyday thing. Uh, made a lot of friends through skateboarding. Love skateboarding. Love um, the whole scene, really. I know it's very. It feels very juvenile for me to talk about at this age. Well, but. no. See, I think it's interesting because the the Tony Hawk games and the skateboarding fad really only ever hit the U.S. in a broader sense. So I always found it interesting that uh, it kind of reached you guys down there to to a similar capacity. Where like if you look at the the European sales or that whole MTV era didn't really hit outside of maybe the U.K. and anywhere else in Europe. So it's interesting. Yeah, it's funny. Um, one of the Tony Hawk games, Tony Hawk's Underground 2, is basically like MTV the game. Um, and as far as like, that, that's kind of one of my only real exposures to that whole MTV culture. So it's kind of like a window into another world in video game yeah, form. It's yeah. very strange. Um, but yeah, skateboarding's huge here. We have skateboard parks everywhere. We have a lot of pro skaters coming out of Australia. Um, yeah, it's it's a it's a funny thing. It's been a pretty important part of my life, and I think I attribute a part of um, the reason I skateboard to the Tony Hawk games. Like I think that kind of kicked of everything off. Yeah. And when I think about video games that probably impacted my life personally more than any other, probably the Tony Hawk games, right? Um, <laughs> like I bonded with people over the Tony Hawk games. I've been to a I've been to a Tony Hawk's Pro Skater cover band show, and it was like amazing wow. like people were going crazy chanting every single song we were like breaking the wall of that pub um it was great fun but uh yeah as far as like cars and crime goes uh i <laughs> yeah, i wouldn't I think I... I wouldn't download a car you know but i've downloaded some shit in my time i guess you'd say <laughs> oh that's fair i think yeah. i phrased the question poorly i guess like, are you into cars do you do any of you gearhead at all or like um uh i feel like i'm like I, 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 there was probably a turning point in my life where I could have gotten super into cars and didn't. Um, <laughs> That's fair. I, I know quite a lot about cars and I know a lot of gearheads and I know a lot of mechanics. Um, and I know a lot about car history, especially like vintage Japanese autos. Um, but not, I'd like, I drive a Hyundai, it, you know, I'm not that big into cars, <laughs> but definitely have a fascination with racing. You know, I'm pretty big into the F1. So... Oh, yeah. Man, how you feel about Max Verstappen? 
I like him. I'm impressed with him. I think he's he's got a bit of an edge to him. He's got a funny voice. He's 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 a cool dude. I like him. <laughs> oh man, dude, that's awesome. Yeah, I got to be honest. I did not expect for Max Verstappen to be mentioned here. I'm really pleased <laughs> I, that this happened. I would I'm have also said it a fan ever on the Trubcast. I never would have expected. Yeah, that. Never, never, not once. And I'm I'm really happy. <laughs> right. oh, that's beautiful. So I, I'm I'm gonna follow up on that a little bit here, uh, Pete. So you personally are a well-rounded person who is not a simulation, and you actually exist on every plane that you fly on. So are you, you also love movies, and those do tend to spill over into your games and your content. It's true. Uh, yeah, I've been a big movie guy. My older brother is um, huge into movies. And when I was growing up, he dragged me along to each one. I remember in 2012, I think we saw over a hundred movies, which if you average that out, that's about two a week, like in the cinema I'm talking about. We used to go often. We had like memberships that were like paying back so many reward points. Um, So yeah, I I guess I'm a big movie guy. It's, It's a funny thing because with video games, like I have a... I have a compulsion to just really like talk about them on the internet. Like I really want to just like annoy people with my video game opinions, but with, with film and music, it's more of like a personal escape. Um, so I'm more happy to just go and see a movie. And like, even if the movie sucks, I generally just have a great time just sitting there watching a movie. Um, yeah. And, and, and a lot of my movie knowledge, I, I like to think bleeds over into my videos. I do cover a lot of movie games. Um, I'm pretty into like old cinema as well. Uh, yeah, it's 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 a funny thing. I don't I don't have a lot of like nuanced opinions on or, or controversial opinions on movies or anything. I just <laughs> I spend a lot of time watching them. I guess you like well, Avatar. How old, though? Are, we That's ta- how old are we talking? Are we talking like 1920s uh, or like no, like 60s, mm-hmm. 70s is okay. Probably where I yeah. start getting real into it, and 50s, I suppose. When it's like 40s and 30s, it gets a little too like yeah, see, <laughs> like you know. <laughs> Yeah, I was yeah, gonna say transatlantic. Yeah. I was gonna say you like uh, Avatar, so that is your one controversial movie opinion here in the U.S. Oh, I love Avatar. Which yeah. is it's funny because we were talking about at one point how people were surprised that Avatar Two was doing so well, but the backlash to Avatar was pretty much only again. It's one of those weird U.S. things. Like obviously there were people elsewhere, especially since uh, we're a global internet society now. That. Uh, really went against that movie hard because why is this the number one movie of all time in terms of success? But then you saw like videos and you sent videos of like a French theater getting the first trailer for uh, Avatar 2 and the theater erupting of like regular people, not us fucking nerds, you know? Yeah. So it's interesting. I think Avatar's are really... I think, I think the conversation that's surrounded Avatar for the last decade is like really fascinating because the, the, the often the, the thing that I see people knock down Avatar with, and I love Avatar, and it's funny, people often say, like, who even likes this movie? Like, is this anyone's favorite movie? Me. I'm the guy. I like this movie. Um, Does that include Avatar 2, though? I like Avatar 2 quite a lot, but it's a lot more like, if someone says they don't like Avatar 2, I'm like, yeah, all right. No, I get it. Mm. I get it. Um, but one's interesting because if people people will knock it down. They'll say it's generic, you know, and it has, like, the most generic story ever. And I guess the, the, the risk that movie took was spending like over $200 million on these giant weird blue people that (laughs) no one's guaranteed to like go and see a movie starring these freaky looking blue people. I I don't know. I find the world building in that movie to be magic. And I find the whole thing very absorbing. Um, 
And yeah, I guess I'm just surprised you look at a big at, backlash. Yeah. I think it's fascinating when you look at the two of them, how it's changed, because with Avatar 1, right, the only people who are willing to be the blue monsters were the smaller actors. And yet in Avatar 2, you have every major actor being a CGI creation. I think it's really fascinating how that's changed. Yeah. Avatar, Avatar 2 is almost... Avatar 2 is really sloppy. Like, you look at you look at Avatar 1 and it's like the perfect three-act structure. It's like a very traditionally structured film. Um, you look at Avatar 2 and it's just like, throw shit at the wall, see what happens. The, the pace is all over the place. The ideas are yeah. all over the place. The things that it focuses on are just strange. Um, and I kind of love it for it, but I, I get why it's not as loved. It makes sense, too, because, I mean, that movie was in production for uh, 12 years, you know? Like, That's right. At a yeah. certain point, you can't get past the development hell. And um, I guess that brings us full circle because we always talk about development hell and stuff, again, going back to, to the content side of things. And that brings me to something that I also wanted to bring up in terms of the, the content interview portion of this. Uh, I've always been really genuinely impressed by how many times you've reinvented your style uh, or your your content approach while keeping a similar style to it, I guess is rather what I'd say. So you started, uh, your first big break was the graphically impressive Game Boy games, graphically impressive FPS retro type stuff. And then you pivoted into movie tie-in games, and then you pivoted into weird PSP ports and spin-offs, and you've just continued to do it, which is something that you usually can't do on YouTube. You usually can't pivot well. It's just because your audience is locked in, and they want the one thing, and they come for that one thing. So, and uh, in each case, it, it ended yeah. up still being Pete and 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 better as well in terms of growth. In terms of you could see the evolution content wise. Yeah. You know, um, it's it's fascinating. So, a what drove that uh, desire to change? You know, two three years in for a lot of the times uh, up until recently. This time you haven't really done any big like I want to change things because I think you found your groove. I would say, yeah. Uh, well- Thank you for the kind words. Very nice of you. Of course. Um, hmm. So when, so yeah, I got my first big break by doing uh, list videos called Five Graphically Impressive GBA Games. Um, that was the, 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 the pivot away from doing those was the most conscious decision when it comes to one of these pivots I ever made. Yeah. Uh, it was a big, like, I need to stop doing these and I need to start doing something else. Um, and I guess, I guess a lot of that was spawned out of when I, when I made my first five graphically impressive video, uh, there was a lot of other YouTubers doing the exact same sort of thing immediately afterwards. Cause they yeah. saw my video did well. And I, I don't hold any spite towards them. It was more, my feeling was like, Oh, other people can do this too. Like what's special about me? What's special about my opinions on these graphically impressive uh, video games. And then I saw Digital Foundry, the channel as a whole. And those guys are just like graphics geniuses. Yeah. Um, and when I'm back here just talking about like, you know, oh, the polygons look good when they're talking about like dithering <laughs> and mip mapping and like, you know, all these technical yeah. terms, whereas I just didn't feel competent enough to be talking about the things I was talking about. And I also didn't feel the drive to learn more about computer graphics to make sure I was, you know, competent. Um, so at that time I was doing video game reviews uh, alongside my five graphically impressive videos, but those reviews didn't get any views or they didn't get many views, I should say. Uh, they weren't very popular. Um, 
So I kept thinking like, you know, I need a way to get people to click on these videos because I much prefer making them. And I feel like that's where my skill set lies because I'm a, I like to think I'm a well-rounded person who knows a lot about video games. And I think that's, you know, just, a, it's not a unique thing on YouTube, but I find a lot of reviews are often from people who clearly only consume video games. And I like to think that's my point of difference where I'm a bit more like I can talk about how this video game fits into culture more. Anyway, not to say I'm like better than other reviewers. That's just the angle no, no, I say like it. to take. Say it. Yeah. No, yeah, I, 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 I am better than other reviewers. reviewers. I'm, I'm better than everyone else on YouTube. You've already um, said you're a cop. Fair? You've already said it without an accent, without a Joe Swanson voice mm. that you're a cop. So it's oh, already I'm over. A... <laughs> yeah. I mean, that's right. We, we have so M and and Kevin and I have a mutual friend who mm. says that they only watch your videos and they don't watch M's or Kevin's videos. Yeah. <laughs> no way. Yeah. That's crazy. I live with this man. He's a roommate. Wow. Yeah. Wow. So that's pretty cool. <laughs> I think he's come around um, in, in recent years. But yeah, um, but mm. so you started with the graphically impressive, and then I, I missed a step in the evolution, which was the Java phone games era, which was a natural progression when you look at it looking back. But when you think about it in the moment of, I'm going to go from graphically impressive Game Boy games and insert console here to this fucking Nokia brick that no one cares about. It's it's such a risk to take, and given this wasn't a point where it was like a, a reliable income or a, a secondary income, tertiary income, it was just kind of a thing you were doing. But uh, how was that experience in, in in pivoting to that, and how did that then inform how you've been able to do it a couple times since? And now it's just every video is this is a mini video, and it doesn't matter what the topic is, people are going to click. Yeah, it was funny. I, I remember I told my partner. My next video is about like Far Cry 2 mobile developed for like flip phones. And yeah. she was like, what, like, what the fuck are you doing? Like, <laughs> <laughs> like who is going to watch that? Um, I don't, I don't know that it's a stroke of genius as far as it is just things I find super fascinating. And I hope other people do too. Um, I do try and look for an angle to make people click. So like I wouldn't cover random mobile game that no one's heard yeah. of. I would cover Far Cry 2 on mobile or Hitman on mobile. Mm -hmm. um, and that way people would be like, oh, I know Far Cry 2. I wonder what the mobile version's like, you know. But I, 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 guess, I guess the philosophy that I've held since pivoting away from five graphically impressive videos is just cover things that I find super, super fascinating and for the most part, other people will too. Not always. Sometimes I like cross too far along, yeah. uh, along some sort of threshold, but yeah, I, I kind of try and like do it in waves a bit, you know? So it's a bit like for a while, I'm going to cover the interesting GBA ports of games. And then I'm going to cover the Far Cry, the mobile ports of games until I get bored of those. And, and it's, it's, it's these waves that have come and gone and people have, thankfully watched pretty much all of my different waves of ideas that yeah. now I feel like I'm in a position where I can just sort of cover anything I find interesting. And I have a big enough audience to be like, of course he's covering this. And it's just some yeah. like random fucking yeah. obscure shit. But yeah, I, I, it didn't feel like a brave decision. Maybe I'm delusional when I decided to cover mobile games, but when I, when I like 
came up with the idea of like looking at all these crazy mobile games. I was like, yeah, people will love this. And then I talked to other people and they're like, you're an idiot. No one's <laughs> going to click this. And then I did it and people clicked it. So, you know, yeah, I guess I'm very thankful for well, that. The, the hope is that we all get to that point, right? Where we're, we're able to do the Xbox Ahoy thing of putting out a video about four bite burger, a piece of art we saw in a magazine 30 years ago, right? Like that's and and people, millions of people clicked on that video. He put in an insane amount of effort into it. And we all want to be there, I think. Yeah. And, and that's the goal. Like, that's my goal. I have all these games and things that I want to talk about that I know nobody else cares about in the slightest. They, they couldn't be getting like, no. Yeah. Well, so I just want to be able to make those videos. That's the goal, right? To get enough videos for you people that I can make videos for me. Yeah. And um, I mean, I'm just. Go ahead, I'm go ahead, just going to start titling songs five graphically impressive. Uh, <laughs> you should make video one games song just to try and garner clicks. You should make one song that, that and just see what happens. Actually, like yeah, genuinely. Oh, yeah, I, I was. It was going to be uh, Minecraft Manhunt, but my wife left me. That was going to be the. That <laughs> well, was. I, I'm even. I'm straight up thinking like just title something like title a random uh, lo-fi <laughs> song. Five graphically impressive lo-fi beats. Yeah. Oh, dude, it, it's gotta be uh, it's gotta be pop punk because like they do okay, they yeah. do like stupid titles like that, That's right? That's true. Yeah, um, dude, but but mini. So you know, I gotta say, like breaking into the mobile games and stuff. Like I, I think it's the, the way that you say things is very unique and it's very engaging. Um, Thank you. And you know, so like kind of take take me through your process of like bringing in all of this eclectic stuff and just kind of making it digestible for people. Hmm. That's a, yeah, the process is, it's not so, it like, I guess it's something I've developed and comes naturally to me a lot. I, I don't like talking about, um, story and graphics and gameplay and the different categories of like a traditional sort of IGN review. Um, Shots on the early Golden Bolt videos. Well, sure. no, what's funny yeah. is the final video that I did in that style was the L.A. Noir video that Minnie and I did together. That was the last video that mm -hmm. had that style because I'd already been looking to change. Uh, and the only reason I had it in the first place to, to jump through that was because I was always a writer as a kid. So I knew I had to limit myself because if I didn't limit myself, I would go for hours in one script and then I would never have made more than two videos because they'd be an hour long and I didn't know what I was doing. So it's... um. Yeah. It's funny seeing that evolution as well to go against uh, the evolution that that Minnie's about to talk about, where his style is very conversational and very like it's a buddy drinking a beer and shooting the shit with you um, while also talking about sometimes some really cool, like fascinating themes of development or of uh, I'll say the word ludo narrative, you know. So it's, it's interesting. <laughs> it's right? it's right? Anyway, to, to throw to throw the, the volleyball back to you. Yeah, I so when I like chose no the, the the YouTubers I've been influenced by, um, one of the major ones is Classic Game Room, which was sort of just this super super conversational, just kick back and talk about video games channel. And then on I guess on the other end of the spectrum, I've been super into channels like uh, Super Bunny Hop and Errant Signal. And, um, sort of these, these, these channels that are very, that talk about high concepts, you know, like way higher concepts than I, than I talk about usually. Um, and I guess taking those influences forward, I've tried and like 
merged them. I've tried to like, I've tried to like talk about high concepts in a way that's translatable to the, you know, kick yeah. back, have a beer sort of person. So it, it was funny. Um, probably the furthest I pushed that bar was in my driver three video where I was talking about like the impacts of modernism on driver three. And, and I knew writing that video that I had to sort of strip back what modernism is, modernism is to its most like basic of concepts, explain that and extrapolate forwards. Um, and, and I, I think, I think where a lot of my motivation lies is sort of bringing the high concepts of like themes that go through video games or I, I don't know, like the way video games make you feel more than any specific technical detail. I like to strip those back down to like the common man drinking a beer sort of conversation style. And I think that's kind of my ultimate goal in most of my videos, which is why the five graphically impressive videos never really made sense to me. Cause I just don't like talking about detail as much. That makes sense. And, and even those yeah. were, um, no, no, go ahead, Nico, go ahead. Oh, no, I was just going to say that makes a lot of sense. Gotcha. Um, gotcha. I, yeah. I, 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 I didn't have say. a full seg in mind. I realized I was going to say words and then I didn't uh, realize what they were going to be. So, yeah, um, me too. Me too. Uh, I think we did the same uh, pivot question. Uh, name a, uh, we're too positive. Name a, what grinds your gears? Name a gaming pet peeve of yours or movie pet peeve. One Ooh. of each. Give me one of each. Hmm. And a music pet peeve while we're at it. Yeah. Go for Damn. the hat trick. All right. Well, yesterday I was complaining to a mate, and I know you love this game, Kevin. I was complaining to a mate about how much I dislike Spider-Man 2018 Insomniac Games. Okay. The thing that grinds my gears, I do not like this game. No, you know what? Hold on. Hold the fucking phone. Let him cook. Let him cook. Let him cook. Fuck you. Okay, I'm downloading that shit right now on my Steam Deck, you piece of shit. That's a terrible game. You should just cancel that download. He had one in the chamber. Oh my god! Mm. I, yeah, I just been sitting here like, when can I? When can I let this out? Um, I don't like. Okay, I feel like that game is fun for like ten minutes, and then it's like the most boring game ever for twenty hours. Interesting. And the fucking swinging in that game is so boring. Like so boring. Like the dude. The way, like, you, you swing towards the ground and you're about to hit the ground, you're like, oh, I stuffed up my swing. And then he just, like, recorrects and just keeps swinging and maintains his speed. Or when you hit a building and he just pings off and keeps swinging and maintains his speed. It's basically hold a button to go forward. And you just do that for, like, 20 hours. It's so boring. And, like, the okay. bloody combat, the storytelling is, like, the most marvelous shit. Like, fuck that. Boring as shit. The combat, don't rate that either. Just the most, like, derivative fucking... I don't know, Arkham style shit that's been barely extrapolated <laughs> upon. I'm I'm done with that game. I don't care about the sequel coming out. I'm very sad the sequel hasn't done anything to the swinging. It looks like, and uh, yeah, I tried out Miles Morales recently. That bored me too. Interesting. So, no so, good. No good. I, well, hey, at least I've you, agreed. At least I, you no, no, I agree. Yeah. I agree on the combat. We talked about this before. I have a problem with the fact that Spider-Man takes so many hits to knock down a regular thug. Yeah, you should so be punching boring. the guy, yeah, and the guy true. should go down. It's so, so boring. It's interesting because I think it depends on how you're playing the game. Uh, because one of the things that I've said about that game is it's a it's a fine game up until you realize, and this is something that not a lot of people that have played Spider Man are going to realize, it's a Ratchet and Clank game. 
you are supposed mm-hmm. to hot swap your gadgets. You're not playing as combat Spider-Man. You're playing as I have 47,000 gadgets Spider-Man. So you drop an anti-grav mine, you drop a, a web bomb and they go flying and they're all stuck to walls and you win in one hit. It's stuff like that where like he's not the strongest one. So I get where you're coming from. And uh, I don't know. I think that uh, I agree with you to some extent on the story. I think the story for what it is, it's it's fine. You know, it's very clear yeah. that Insomniac didn't have not necessarily the time, but they didn't have the the writing staff capable of making the three act story they wanted to. Yeah, and probably some level of that was related to uh, just they needed the game out this particular year because, you know, X, Y, Z, they're probably in talks to be bought out at that point. There's a lot of other factors that lead to that stuff. Not that any of those changed the result of the game or anything, you know, but um, I got to address the swinging thing, man. The swinging. Yeah, is I disagree so with that entirely. Oh, <laughs> so boring. It's so were you always swinging? What kind like, of movement really do you like slow? in video games? Sorry. No, 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 no. I, I I get what you're saying. I get that when you screw up a swing, it slows you down. Ooh. But the, the, the thing that annoys me, like, <laughs> if I'm swinging at the ground at like a 45, it shouldn't just correct me and slow me down and keep me going. I should hit the ground and die. That's so how it should work. There's there's a quote in, uh, in Spider-Man, uh, the DLC, actually, which I'm guessing mm. you didn't play. Uh, do your fucking homework, kid. Good guess. But uh, there's they they're teaching uh, Miles. Obviously, it's not a spoiler that Miles is Spider Man at this point. He's got a fucking game. Uh, they're teaching Miles uh, via phone call some of the stuff. Like Miles is like, "Hey, when do we get to train? When do we get to train?" And Peter's like, "Did you do your calculus homework I gave you?" And Miles is like, "Why the fuck did you give me homework? I don't get it." And then Peter, while swinging on this phone call, is like, "Well, uh, how much would this pendulum?" Uh, require in terms of uh, a parabolic uh, swing to like how much momentum do you need, how much rope do you need, etc. And then Miles realizes, oh, you're doing calculus every time you swing a, a web. And so it doesn't explain away the fact that, yes, depending on how you swing, you can just hit the ground and there's a, even an upgrade that lets you bounce off of the ground. Like you can just do a jump and get back is. to it. Hate it, hate it. Um, but... <laughs> It, it, it is one of those that's explained in game for one, but also I think that the um, if you do it right, that that swinging is faster than most other things that I played on that generation of systems, uh, movement wise. Yeah, is the thing. So I think it's a skill issue. I'll level with you. Oh. <laughs> See, I I felt like the 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 point. <laughs> I feel like I'm defending myself because you've insulted me, <laughs> but I felt like the skill ceiling was too easy to hit. Um, that, I mean, that's it's a normie game. That's fair. That's, I get you. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's, you know, that's more my complaint so, with it. I no, get it's it. Fair. It's, it's mass market, whatever. But I was going to say, like, that's not for you guys. That's for, like, me. Well, and I think that that's <laughs> right. what I like about the game is that it is not that it's necessarily, like, mass market, like you said, but that there is depth to it underneath because every Insomniac game carries that DNA. So because, obviously, I've played a lot of Insomniac games in my day, as soon as it clicked to me, like, you know, partway through Act 2 of my first playthrough, I realized... Oh, and again, the DLC even teaches you this, where it's like there are some uh, combat challenges that say you only have two powers. You have to combine them to win. And so you have to beat like a whole arena of enemies using, uh, I, I don't know, the, the, the impact web and the spider bot or something. I don't, I don't know. One of, those, one of those sorts of deals where they were like, right. yeah, we realized that so many players didn't engage with the game in the way that maybe they hoped they did. So they... they focus the dlc around the complaints that they would have gotten from the more core player base of the you know the 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 two million of the fucking what 30 million copies that game sold it's like the highest selling playstation exclusive ever it's wild 
Interesting. It's, it's that, that in it's that in Gran Turismo. I'm pretty sure. Yeah, there you like, go. It's like one. Man. Like Gran Turismo one. Uh, that, that ain't right. That ain't right. <laughs> <laughs> All right, we've grilled we've grilled you enough yeah, about this. Fair. What's what's mm. your movie and music pet peeves? <laughs> Damn. Um, movie pet peeves. This isn't. This isn't controversial in anywhere near the set. In fact, this is probably a very popular opinion with movie pet peeves. Um, but I guess I guess just the way that like the blockbuster film has kind of died in favor of you know Marvel. Or- Marvel, yes, yeah. We talked about that like, on last week's episode, actually. Oh well, there you go. I, my pet peeve with cinema is you never see like a hundred million dollar movie that isn't tied to a brand. Um, Except for Avatar. You know, How good's Avatar? You know, that first movie. Oh, yeah, oh. Disney's Avatar. Yeah, you're right. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, the, the thing yeah, is, you with, do with still park, see right? some of it, right? Like, like we just saw, um, uh, I guess it's it's kind of ancillary, right? It's out there, and it's not quite as big. But uh, we were talking in Crub, well, I was talking about Steven Soderbergh's recut of um, Raiders of the Lost Ark, where he took it and desaturated and removed all the dialogue and all the music and just put in the scores from different movies and, and let it kind of do its thing. Uh, so there's still stuff out there that's interesting and fascinating, but boy, nobody sees it. The Marvel Marvelization of films, right? Everything you see, it's like, oh, this is MCU humor. Yeah. I don't know why I sincerely thought you were going to mention Guillermo del Toro's Pinocchio. <laughs> The best film of the past, like, decade. I love it. Everyone, <laughs> you should go watch it right now if you're listening. Go watch Guillermo del Toro's Pinocchio. It's incredible. It makes you cry. So, moving right along, uh, we do have one uh, sort of topic for today's episode that we did bring to the table, which was actually a Patreon-suggested question, although not necessarily for Crub. It was actually one of my patrons that asked that. Although, if you go to patreon.com slash crub, we do have a Patreon, uh, where for $5 a month, you can enter the exclusive founder tier for the time being, which gives you access to uh, all exclusive behind-the-scenes content and uh, bonus content, stuff like uh, uh, we're going through every Mario Party board as the Crub crew, uh, every Every game, every board over the next however long that takes, stuff like that. There's an exclusive Slippin' Jimmy podcast discussion. The discussion based around the Slippin' Jimmy spinoff of Better Call Saul, the spinoff of Breaking Bad, where we're going to equate each episode of Slippin' Jimmy to one season of Better Call Saul and uh, make a deep artistical analysis of that. So patreon.com slash crub by the time that you uh, tune into this episode that will most likely be live and if not uh, pretend you're watching a few days from then and then go check it then so the question that i had received was uh with so much focus around the graphical improvements that games have had you know obviously it's always been a graphics thing since day one it's been how realistic even nes graphics could be we're hitting a, a sort of a, a breaking point to that where it's so hard for developers to continue to raise the bar because there's only so many man hours you can put into things and even things like ai and procedural generation are only going to do so much to help improve uh the person sitting behind a desk slaving for 40 hours a day to make an 8k texture of aloy from horizon's tongue for photo mode that only five people will ever notice that's there for some reason that's real trust me at least eight at least eight people because crub noticed all of that's that's true that's true i think it's actually one of the thumbnails for the podcast on youtube which is it is yes okay we didn't change that one good thank god so the question then is what non-graphical improvements do you want to see in the next generation of games or the rest of this generation of games depending on what you want to go with in the next few years 
And what? if you need to yeah. think about it, I, I'm actually very happy to jump into this because I've thought about this. And I <laughs> so I split it into three items. And I know I tend to go off on, on these and have these long uh, diatribes, bed, but I've already edited it down. So I'll be fast. OK. The first is improvements, which I consider to be inevitable. Right. So outside of things like multilingual support, which I expect will become nearly ubiquitous across uh, double and triple A and triple I games or enhanced voice recognition or improved player matching in SBMM. And and the thing I'm really excited for is adaptive storytelling, because I think, well, yeah, generative AI might be used in in some of that. And I'm not sure I'm a huge fan of that yet, but I'm really, really excited for the future where these sort of adaptive narratives that change based on player actions become more advanced and more immersive. Imagine Until Dawn or Dragon Age or The Witcher, but the world really does change and the people in it change based off of how you play the game. And I think this is absolutely inevitable over the next couple of years. Or I'll throw out Fallout Strong. because then Fallout could have a story again. That'd be nice. <laughs> we got we got a yeah, lot of huge shorts for that one. I don't care. I mean, well, Kevin and I have spoken about this, believe it or not, in our early, early days of friendship because I was going on about decision tree type games and I was saying, well, why don't they have different endings? Why do they all like funnel back? You know, why don't these games have like a billion endings and then we can, you know, uh, have a lot of replay value, right? And I think with the proliferation of generative or rather imitative AI, let's be real what it is, um, we might be able to see that happen. That's an incredibly interesting point, Moriarty. It'd be for like the connective tissue between things, I think, more than the sure, uh, sure, the actual yeah. end. Yeah, I don't, I don't want AI written stories, but yeah, no. I do really. I, I'm so excited by the idea of not having Mass Effect 3's ending be what it is, right? Mm. In the next game, I'm looking forward to Mass Effect 5's ending being my fucking story. Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. And it would yeah. be so tough to do on a multi-game scope, too. I mean, that's what Mass Effect ran into, is that you were never going to get a Mass Effect 3 that didn't have that problem, you know? Um, it just kind of comes with the territory. It was just uh, a shame that they they screwed the pooch on that one. Um, before yes. we jump into your second one, Nico, do you have one you want to throw out? We'll kind of roundtable this. Um, yeah, uh, come back to me in, okay. a, in a minute. I'm still, okay. I'm still cooking. Peter, yeah. do you have one? I do. Okay, sort of. Well, I, I don't know if it's an improvement as much as Changes it is a trend I'd like to. Yeah. 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 Um, so in the mid 2000s, there was a series of uh, big budget first person games that focused on being immersive. And they were sort of like, we're going to remove the heads up display. We're going to remove like numbered based systems from this game. It's all, it was games like uh, Far Cry 2, Condemned Criminal Origins, um, the Chronicles of Riddick, uh, mm-hmm. the King Kong game. I run like anyway. Um, okay. Let's list games that, that I've this, covered. Yeah, games that I've covered. <laughs> like Call of Duty Four was kind of one of them as well. Like like the way the Call of Duty series trended, especially with the campaigns. Yeah, it was it was it was all about um, just placing you in these situations uh, in a way that I feel like first person games and video games in general have then went on to trend away from and be more like, we're going to chuck a big heads up display on the yeah. screen and have all these systems and upgrades and all that sort of shit. Um, and th- th- the way that that sort of 
game design exists now is either in VR or in horror games, and yeah. kind of that's it. I think that makes um, sense. So do, do you, you like... Go ahead, go ahead. Do you like the diegetics of it, where they're pulling up the map and looking at it? Is that love the it. part that you Love like? it. I love that stuff. And I, th- I, and I think... I think video games are very powerful because they can immerse you in their worlds almost better than any other medium. And I don't think AAA games have taken advantage of that as much as that small window in the 2000s did. So, so is uh, the best game ever made Trespasser? <laughs> Trespasser was way too early on it. The best game ever made is Far Cry 2. Thanks for asking so, and the podcast. To, to jump on what you said, though, A, I think we talked about this a little before it came out. I think you will really like Tears of the Kingdom for that in that regard when you get around to it. Okay. Uh, yeah. Because you've never played Breath of the Wild either, I believe, right? You played a little bit? I have. I got, I, I don't know, I stopped playing after like 10 hours. Yeah, so okay. I played a bit of it. T- yeah. Tears of the Kingdom does a lot in terms of having like a, it still has a HUD, but you can essentially turn it off. It's just based on your whims for one. But uh, I think it's interesting that you mentioned uh, Call, of du- Call of Duty 4 in there, excuse me, because I think Call of Duty 4 is the game that then killed that trend indirectly by being so popular. Because that made the FPS go from a very popular thing. Obviously, Halo 2 existed, you know. Halo 3 was out the same year. Those things existed. uh, And that's just to say stuff on console, of course. Uh, But then when you see how overnight huge Call of Duty 4 became, and how much it changed uh, the blueprint by which all first-person shooters and multiplayer shooters started to follow, it kind of makes sense that VR, the... uh, um, Not the hobbyists, the enthusiasts system of choice you know if for people that want Mm. those immersive types uh i don't want to say immersive sims but those immersive types of first person experiences uh it it makes sense that that ended up getting relegated there over time because call of duty became almost uh too popular for the genre to be able to handle healthily yeah Mm -hmm. i think i think that was a in in the 2000s because because graphics technology was pushing forward so quickly um, there was a push alongside that to make things as realistic as possible. Um, whereas nowadays, I feel like the main motivator for AAA games is making as much money as possible for the most part. And the way that they do that most of the time is through sort of upgrades and system-based content. And, and Call of Duty, the multiplayer, is kind of half responsible for that too because, you know, it introduced all those RPG mechanics into the multiplayer. Um so yeah, I don't know. I guess it's just it's just one of those things I miss and I wish we saw more of outside of the indie scene. I will uh, jump off of that and tell you mine, which mm. is I want the mini map to stop. Uh, that's mm, the that's yes. the, that's the clickbait title version of what I want. But I one of the things that I really I think I hate nowadays about the the modern gaming land space in the AAA scene is a the thing you mentioned the about GPS. how they they well that but uh, a how Peter you mentioned things about uh, the the main focus is to make money which is finally the end game of when the the nineties when all those uh, telecom companies and major you know TV movie studios were buying into games with you know endless budgets to try and be the ones that would capitalize and make money off that field we finally got there which sucks yeah um, and, and and not to interject no no go ahead, like go ahead. It's it's always been about making money. Yeah, sure. It's yeah. just the the thing the thing that appealed to people while the graphics technology was improving so fast was I want my new console to 
put the most realistic looking game on this console. So mm-hmm. that's what people were making. But and, now, you know, well, and even then, go if on. you if you go back to that '90s era, like you had, uh, I'll go with Universal for example. Universal and Fox and Disney all went huge into the gaming land space during that PS1 and 64, ma- mainly PS1 era, because that was when things were cheap to produce on discs. And Universal had an infinite budget. They had a blank check given to Mark Cerny of all people to say, get any studio, get any property you possibly can. We don't care. And that gave Mark Cerny an endless budget to find games that he wanted to see made because of and that. And then he said, party on, Wayne. And then, yeah. <laughs> uh, and then he like measured your ears for the new PlayStation earbuds that are coming with the Wii U or whatever. Anyway, um, as far as HUDs go, one of the things that bothers me the most uh, is that all the time that those developers, those designers put into each aspect of especially an open world where it has to be as realistic as possible or as immersive as possible. If it's not realistic, it has to feel like a world you could be in and that you can lose yourself in. They put hundreds of thousands of combined man hours into these things only for you to not look at anything besides the top bar of your screen where the compass is. Uh, I I Mm -hmm. loved Horizon Forbidden West. I think it's a really good game. But I realized after playing Ghost of Tsushima that I don't like that style of gameplay anymore. You know, I think that I'm fundamentally disagree with a game that's so overstimulating that you're going to pull out your phone and look at it while you're running forward because you just know where the compass is. I loved the things that Ghost of Tsushima did that were in some way also inspired by Breath of the Wild to take it a little further back. And uh, so games like Breath of the Wild and Ghost and Elden Ring and Tears of the Kingdom all were masterful in their execution of in Ghost's case it's the missions where you have to look at footprints like every fucking third person open world game does now but they made you physically look down at them they made you like say yeah look at the dirt not the most elegant solution but they made you peer into the world and stare at it and engage with the game on its own terms and I I found that so compelling that I can't really go back to old style open world games ever since and so that's why an Elden Ring really appealed to me for the time that I put into it before, you know, uh, work got in the way. That's why Tears of the Kingdom, I did fucking everything in that game, minus the the super extraneous 100% stuff. But I did every dungeon, every shrine, every quest, every quest. I did all of it because I engaged with the game on the terms that it had. In, in Tears of the Kingdom's case, it was terms that uh, were, hey, do it on your terms. You, you can engage with this game however you want, which is how an open-world game truly should be. If you break it, you should be rewarded. Um, I'll add on to that just yeah. slightly to say that one of the things that you don't see with these modern games, specifically because of that mini-map GPS obsession, is looking and seeing a landmark in the game and going there and it being an interesting experience. Yes, and, yeah. And, a thing right you go there and something happens yeah. you get an encounter that isn't part of the story there are a lot of games that i've been playing recently where i go there's no reason to explore this game because i know i know that this right here is part of the story eventually and coming here i'm just gonna have to come here again later because they know that gamers aren't doing that anymore they're not looking around you know it's, it's like the old adage that you you can put uh, 50% of your work into the floor, right? And 40% into the walls and 10% on the ceiling because nobody looks up. Yeah. It's the same sort of thing. Yeah. And oh my and- God, I just had, Go ahead. I was, I literally just had one of those moments in horizon forbidden West. There's a quest where you have to look at the ceiling to find like a vent to break down. And I, it's hard it took because me, 
you can't see a anything. half an hour. Yeah. Legitimately like, a half an hour. It took me to yeah. find this vent. There was because a discussion it was above me. Uh, sorry, I didn't cut you off there. There was a discussion on Twitter around when that game came out that someone was upset about the yellow handholds that that game has, similar to like oh the God. every game has yellow handholds like, now. And I the like thing the is, yellow handholds. The good. thing is, in a game like Horizon, those are necessary because yeah. the game is relying on you seeing them and engaging with them in that way. Like the the level design is not put together in such a way that you are organically meant to find the solution to problems, and that's. As good of a game as that game might be, it's frustrating, especially, again, after A Ghost of Tsushima. That's the game that really changed how I saw open worlds in uh, a way unlike any other game did, except for Breath of the Wild three years before it, where the just having the whole wind mechanic where you, you swipe up on the touchpad and the wind blows behind you in the direction of the objective that you have set. There's still a map if you want to engage with a map, of course, but you have to swipe up and watch the way that the grass and the trees are blowing, which makes you look at the new landmarks that you might not see. It makes you look at the fox dens that you might not realize are there. It makes you look at the, in the sky to see four different kinds of smoke, where white smoke is a little village, uh, black smoke is a Mongol encampment because they're burning things, you know, they're burning buildings mm -hmm. down. And it, it just makes that whole experience of that game so compelling because you don't have to have that urge to reach for your phone to be distracted. Yeah. The, you know? Yeah. To Moriarty's point, the diegetics of that game are masterful. Yeah. Yeah. It, it's, you know, it's, it's, it's a beautiful um, game. Yeah. Really sort of fascinatingly, one of the few games I think that has done this very well <laughs> is Halo Infinite. <laughs> It's one of the few Bro, games what? where I found myself. <laughs> uh, you know, actually, if you think about you know, it, right? How many times did you find yourself just sitting there and looking around the world of Halo? Um, I don't know. It's a terrible game, but they did manage to do that in the campaign. I think kind of well, where somewhat. it was like, you know what? I'm gonna walk up to the top or fly up to the top of that mountain and see what's up there. And uh, you, you don't see that feeling in a lot of these open world yeah. games anymore. Usually it was nothing, yeah. though, is the problem. Like, they didn't give you good it, Yeah, rewards. there was nothing there. That was the problem with Halo. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, well, I think that ends up being one of my pet peeves in games because Kevin watched me play Doom once, and you saw that I was just looking all around for stuff, and there were often rooms and, and whole areas that were supposed to be part of the arena that weren't necessarily there for exploration, yeah. right? And I would just go around, like, looking at everything, like, looking at every wall and, you know, trying to interact with stuff, and it was like... I think for me, I just want that kind of stuff to be pointed, and I, I want it to be like, okay, if this is a place of interest, I need to, I should go there. I and agree. There should be something there, right? That was going to be sort of my second thing. I'll jump on it real quick before coming back around to you, M, uh, because yeah. it's one that. Oh, uh, I, I, I have. My oh, you have yours. Okay, so we'll go to you first then. Yeah. Um, but real quick, uh, while we're on the subject subject of that, uh, it's Final Fantasy 16. I've been playing it the last couple days. I've been really enjoying it. I'm not going to say anything in detail, but one of the things that I love is something I never thought I would have loved a few years ago. Uh, there's a... You have a dog. You have, a, like, a big dog that, that is, like, your companion. Uh, the entire game, I'm assuming. I, he probably dies. I don't know. But I'm going to assume he dies because he's a dog in a media piece. So, um, I named him Marley. You can't name him. But, <laughs> anyway... Uh, <laughs> Strong prediction. You have this thing called, they call it Animal Instinct, jokingly, where if you press down on the on the left stick, the L3 button, the dog will specifically go to where you are supposed to go next so that you know which other rooms you can go to before you go to the objective. So it's only there if you ask for it. It doesn't tell you outright you're supposed to go here, unless maybe it does if you wait like 10 minutes or whatever, probably. 
But if you ever get lost, it tells you where to go. There are some areas that are dark, so it'll tell you where to go. There are areas where you know that something's going to get locked behind you if you go into the wrong room. And I hate that. And mm-hmm. it's one of the biggest level design pet peeves I have. So that game, having that, I started using it not to know where to go, but to know where not to go yet, like next, you know? Yeah, right. Mm-hmm. And it's mm-hmm. one of my favorite things about that game in a game with a lot of things that I really, really like. Um, so, Nico, what was yeah. your what was your first pet peeve? Oh, man. Okay, so... Or not pet peeve, I'm sorry. I know, improvement. I know that I'm going to sound maybe reductive in this, but... I want to see them bring the fun back to video games. You know, I know, I know no, you I'm bring sounding your own fun now. Yeah. Well, that's what I'm saying. Like, I, I know that I'm sounding like Tim Robinson, right? Where he's like, when are you going to go back to doing the good shit? You know? Um, <laughs> but I mean, when are they going to go back to doing the good shit? Right? Like, when are they going to remember that video games are supposed to be fun and not supposed to be work? Right? I don't I'm want gonna, my video I'm games to be. I'm going to throw you one on this one, Nico, and say that the problem is that you're not playing indie yes. titles. Yes. Yes. I was going to say the same thing. Uh, I mean, that that notwithstanding, I just, it's the checklisting and it's the quest lines being non-meaningful, right? Yeah. Um, where you go and you do a quest and it's just go here, do this, come back, go here, do this, come back. And it's just that over and over and over and over. And I just want to see more variety. I want to see more purpose. I want to see more like um, in Ghost of Tsushima with uh i think it was um actually all of the all of the um major npcs in that game right tomoe uh norio and the third one um they were all meaningful stories they were all sub stories within this story so you're here experiencing this and they're well-written characters as branches of the main story they all play into the main story and it's fun and it's engaging right um and they're not all samey quests and uh, that's what I mean by bring the fun back to video games. Yeah, I, th- I, I think like there's there's a there's a risk that you sound like a real get off my lawn old man when making <laughs> points like this. Um, but to me, on this sort of topic, there was a lot more genre variety even ten years ago in the AAA space than there is now. Mm-hmm. Like you, you look at you look at. Like, where have single-player FPS games gone? There's not that many. Where have arcade races gone? There's kind of none at all in that space. Um, They're in the Nicholas Vault. They're just not going to be released. That's all it is. Yeah, that's right. That's right. And I think... Like your F-Zero-type games? Yeah. Like, I I think those games for a while were platformed alongside the big grand open-world game in the AAA space. Yeah. and the indie game scene has like picked up a lot of the slack and there's amazing indie games going on. Um, but it doesn't, it doesn't feel like there's a, there's a burnout or need for speed equivalent. I know need for speed still <laughs> comes out, but unbound is shit. Um, well, well, even then when you say like, cause you said the, the racing games existed alongside the big open world titles. The only racing games of substance nowadays are also checklisty open world titles. It's the Forza Horizon yeah. games. It's the need for speeds where I love need mm-hmm. for speed. Most wanted one. I think that game's incredible. Uh, and that's one of the only open world Need for Speed games that I really would still vibe with today because it didn't have that checklisty nature to it. Uh, at a point, they yeah. all kind of uh, congealed, homogenized. Yeah, that's also- what you're seeing, right? You're, you're seeing the sort of uh, commodification, right? We're seeing the target effect of, of going into a Walmart to buy art. And, and what do they have in there? They have live, love, laugh 
right? Versus buying actual art from artists. Um, you, but the thing is, though, right? You see somebody, Nico, you brought up F-Zero. Uh, I saw the sales numbers of F-Zero today trending on Twitter because it sold 30,000 units yeah. on its last game. 30, not million, 30 thousand mm-hmm. units that's not enough for nintendo a multi-billion dollar company to jump in there and care about bringing it back and that's why f-zero has died every single installment of f-zero has sold less than the one before it yeah and while f-zero one sold two million copies f-zero what five or six or whatever it is sold thirty thousand yeah. and one only sold so that's that not a game that people want yeah sorry i didn't make right, you but off. it feels like I mean, but it feels like there could be multiple failures there, right? Like, we and that's why we you go know. to the indie titles yeah. where thirty thousand copies is a big win. Yeah, and I was gonna say, um, a-, a for one, F Zero really only sold in the first place because it was one of the only titles that used Mode Seven. But B, um, if you wanted another F Zero, there's Redout. There's there's a game called Redout that just had a yeah. sequel called Redout Two. There's um, there's Wipeout. Wipeout's like <laughs> said that like like the title was going to be totally different. There's Redout, who had a sequel, whose title Redout, was yeah. Redout no. Two. Um, <laughs> you, you know, there's Wipeout. The Wipeout games are free on if you have the PS Plus collection or not anymore, I guess. But those are similar. Wipeout like the TV show? No, Wipeout came first. Yes, it's a racing game series. <laughs> it's a racing game. Don't worry about um, it. Okay, okay. Yeah, there's you're good, you're good. another one that exists. That's an indie game. Uh, the purest of indie games, because I think the the Redout team got bought by Epic. Maybe I, I think maybe. Um, but there's one that I saw on Twitter, which is where you find all the good indie games nowadays, apparently, where it was this F-Zero styled game, but you're on like an actual tube and you can go anywhere on that tube, like while you're like grinding on this, essentially a pipe. And there's like tricks and there's like different, uh, sub paths you can take. It's only a demo that they had out so far, but the most creative stuff you're going to find is going to be in the indie scene because, uh, indie games aren't going to make money anyway. So why not try as, as much yeah. as it sucks to say. Yeah, yeah. Well, and it's because it's because dev costs are so much higher now than they were then. Yeah, you know? it's, yeah. I don't try because I have a Mac, um, but that's well, mm, sure. But a lot know. of these games exist on console. Yeah. Like Redout exists on console. Um, there was another mm-hmm. one. Fast RMX existed. It was a Switch launch game, and everyone wanted them to make the next F Zero game. And Nintendo obviously didn't do that because why would they do that? The only time to do yeah. it would be now because the Switch games. Any game that comes to Switch does better for Nintendo. You know, Metroid is now a high-selling franchise for the first time ever. Yeah. So, it's 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 tough, but I think it's an it's an issue of of horizons rather than an issue of unless you're complaining about it in the scope of the AAA gaming space. But that's just kind of a, a condemnation of AAA gaming as a whole to some extent at that point. You know. Yeah. No. AAA gaming sucks. Right. Like, there's no good games. There's no, there's no AAA games that are great anymore, and that's fine. It's okay. Go buy an indie game. They're, they're $20. Yeah. Your $70 game is garbage. God of War was great. No, 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 it really wasn't. War, I'm not going to have that argument right now, but uh, yeah, no, no, we'll talk, no, it wasn't. We'll have a, we'll, we'll, <laughs> we'll, we'll, we'll talk about this offline. I, 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 have a I, don't really, I don't really like it either. I think God of War sucks, but you know. Yeah, we'll, it's yeah. bad. It's I'm a bad game. It's bad. It's boring. Oh my God. Into it. Take me out of this YouTube yeah. short, Chris. I don't want to be in this but. one. <laughs> yeah, no, don't, I don't want to be in the, don't put me in the screenshot. <laughs> um, M, you I think, an, I think uh, there is a lot of good AAA games still. I just think the variety is way down. Yeah, as a whole, I agree with you agree. completely. But I think that yeah, um, yeah. you know the individual doesn't prove the the statistic type type vibe. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. Like um, we're just yeah. we're just assholes on the internet saying shit. You know, it's, right. it's what we do. Uh, yeah. You had a couple more you wanted to run through. I don't know that I have any yes. more. So if you want to run through them rapid fire, 
So secondly, I do have one more, but okay. I have items that I think are, are are possible if we get a major tech breakthrough, but they're not necessarily inevitable. Things like better procedural generation or, mm-hmm. or real-time machine learning. But I think the thing that is most exciting personally is dynamic economies. So prices, availability, whatever, changing based off of player actions and, and uh, AI decisions. Yeah. So yes, player-driven economies, but also true NPC-driven economies, where if you kill all of the farmers, the food disappears, mm-hmm. right? Or, or, or imagine City Skylines 3, where the city economic management is responsive and realistic enough that real cities simulate within it. Um, or, or even real estate or, or speculative trading, right? Like we see kind of the, the, the beginnings of these with like GTA 5 or the fucking fable. And not even but like GTA to 5. actually. That was such a <laughs> but, lie. You know, Sorry. To, to see it where you can invest in property and businesses yeah. in Fable 10 and your actions actually improve or hinder your own investments or the investments of others, right? I would love to play a game where I can cause the kingdom to go into bankruptcy or where I can break the economy by successfully cornering the wheat market, causing yeah. food prices to skyrocket because I have the only working wheat farm. So you're a stock trader. You play Minecraft. <laughs> we went two completely different directions there. Holy shit. Wow. Good. No, I agree with that. I, I, as soon as you said it, I was like, oh, yeah, what GTA lied about doing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, okay. That's and a, then that's finally, really good, though. I, I like that. Yeah. No, I, I don't know if finally I have a wish list good. item. Okay. So this is something that I don't think is super likely, but it's something that I super want to see. Um, and th- there's kind of like the nebulous idea of like an in-depth personalized tutorial where each player gets a tutorial based on their skill level. But the thing that I want is the potential for environmental interactions, meaningfully interacting with objects that in turn meaningfully interact with the world that they're in. Um, think what Peter Molyneux would promise, <laughs> right? So knocking over a fence to make a path and then watching it become overgrown or, or, or watching, I you know, the, okay. the local people cut down the trees in order to replace the fence, decreasing the local animal populations through hunting, which in turn causes the predators to die out or building a, a road and removing the bandits and the, and the wolves in the forest, right? Which in turn leads to the development of a trade route, which in turn influences cultural growth or, or conflict, you know, dynamically shaped game societies. Uh, essentially, I want Dwarf Fortress 2050. I was, was going right? to say that too. The fir- on the first part of your point, I was going to say Dwarf Fortress. Yes, so I want that. Uh, I think that that's a wish list item that we won't see in the next generation, but I really, really want to see that. I think it's interesting. Sick if it's go ahead, go ahead. Sorry, I was gonna say that would be sick if it's done right. As long as going back to my other point, they make sure that the game is still fun on top of that, and not just like tedium. You know, I mean, Eve Online is a, 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 you know. (laughs) it's a spreadsheet but people still enjoy that to an extent so uh, i'm not even so worried that it'd be quote unquote fun because i think anybody can find fun in anything there are people out there today playing spider-man okay like they're i know (laughs) how 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 are they enjoying that shit god (laughs) there are dynamic crimes and by doing them you get dynamic alex jones podcasts thank you very much wow check me are you gonna do wow do some dynamic 
going to do some dynamic crimes, many. <laughs> yeah, I've done a lot of dynamic crimes in my yeah. time. Thanks for asking. I try not to talk about it. <laughs> I was I was going to say that um, I think that the main bottleneck on that one is actually memory. Like, a game like, uh, again, a, a Tears of the Kingdom doesn't exactly do what you're saying, of course, but it does do stuff where... You know, you you cut down a tree and the tree is actually gone until they physically have to reset the world with the blood moon um, because the game Mm. will just crash because the whole game is a running memory leak, essentially. And I think that's the main bottleneck. I mean, A, the Switch has like no RAM anyway, but um, that aside, I could see a game like another Fable. For example, assuming that one's good. I don't think it will be, but I hope it is uh, because I like Fable a lot. I sure hope so. Um, But a game like a Fable or like a, a... an indie produced but still triple a zelda style of game that's not a genshin impact i could see them taking the the breath of the wild open air format and making essentially a 3d dwarf fortress like you like you had just asked um because the 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 bones are there i think it's just that Mm -hmm. like you said technologically i don't know how we get there anytime soon no, so that's that's something I would really like to see eventually, right? So we, we've got where I think is inevitable, and then what I think we're going to maybe have if the technology breaks through with the, the dynamic um, uh, economies. But then this, man, right, I want to play a game. I want that, that open-world game that every indie developer out there who ever started a, gre- uh, a, a Steam Greenlight you know, thing they promised they were going to make that one open world game to rule them all. I yeah. want that. <laughs> I yeah. still want to play it. And if it's a Fable Five, I'm cool with that. You know? Yeah, you'll you'll take Starfield and you'll like it. Uh, yeah, man. Right? Like Starfield, <laughs> if it could come out and be great, that would be awesome. I hope so. <laughs> I mean, they need they need a win. I, I, they yeah. really do, because otherwise, otherwise he's he's getting fired. He's straight up. There's no way he's not. <laughs> Phil Spencer no. will be fired if Starfield is bad. I <laughs> oh, tweeted oh. about this before. and <laughs> Controversial take time. Peter, what's your thought on Phil Spencer? Aha, uh-huh. used car salesman. That guy's <laughs> sketchy as. Hey, dude, he says all the right things and releases the shittest video games. I just, I don't know. Like, I don't know. I, the, 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 the irony in my opinion here is the Xbox Series X is like my favorite console ever. I think it's fantastic. But he's just, I don't know. Every time he says anything, I can like hear the, this guy is saying the thing that gamers will love. He's, he's, mm. and, and, and he's not backing up any of his words with actions that are meaningful. Um, Which yeah, is sad. It's really sad. Because yeah. he says yeah. some of the things where you're like, no, I, I agree. Accessibility is really important in oh, gaming. Oh, absolutely. And I think, that drives, I think that drives towards accessibility are fantastic. Yes. And I think his interviews with Jeff Gerstmann over the years have been incredible. Um, I think he'd be a, absolutely a lovely guy to hang out with and talk to and yeah. pick his brain at all his opinions. But the way that company has been run, whether it's his fault or not, it has been very poor and he is at the top. If it's so. not, it still is. Like, that's the thing. Yeah. yeah. You can't, the buck does stop with him. And speaking of yeah, bucks, exactly. all hail buckets. You had one more uh, improvement <laughs> you wanted to suggest, I believe. I think uh, I have yeah, one I too. See, okay. I want to see less platforming. No, um, I, I want to see uh, more officially licensed rhythm games that are mm. not super mm. complex. Right? Because as we started going down this Guitar Hero line... They started adding more mechanics to something that simply doesn't need it, right? It's DDR, 
but you don't got to get off your couch. I love it. I'm excited for One of the things you. I love about playing... Go ahead. Sorry, what? sorry. sorry. Go ahead. Oh, it's one of the things I love about playing the drums, right? I sit down. Um, <laughs> you know, and, and it's not like super physical. You play the drums, right? Um, and I want to see... This is two weeks I in just a row see that. you said your hobbies include sitting down. Well, they, I've been playing the drums for 18 years, dude. What do you want from me, uh, man? I really love the drums because I just get to sit. Yeah. I'm excited for you yeah, to have you Clone to... Hero when you yeah. get a PC. Oh, absolutely. Because that, that'll and, solve and this your is, problem right you there. Know, yeah, absolutely. And this goes back to like M, M taking the wind out of my sails and just saying, yeah, you should just play indie games more, which is definitively true, yeah. right? I think we've seen mathematically that's true. Um, because of something like a clone hero, right? I want those five little buttons and the, the clicky strum bar, and that's all I want. And I want licensed music, meme music. I don't care. But, but I don't want like uh, Friday Night Funkin' where it's like specific to that game. Like I want to listen to the songs. You know, I, I'm specifically, I want the licensed music. Um, and obviously we had something like that in Fuser where it sort of made music production, the production side of it, maybe a little more gamified. And I really like that. And I want more stuff like that. I think that's awesome. I, I just want to jump in really quick yeah. to explain what Fuser is, because you can name drop Fuser, but no one knew that game came out. Uh, it was a game made <laughs> oh, by... I assume people would Google it. No, I mean, they could. It's a game made by, I believe it was Harmonix. It was their last game before they Harmonix. got bought by Epic, where it was a full DJ suite, not like DJ Hero, like you could get the individual samples of the mm -hmm. the drums, the vocals, the guitar, the, the bass of any song that was on the list, including like a bunch of DLC ones, all licensed music. Yeah. And then you got um, uh, different uh, EQ patterns to add on. You could adjust them, down-tempo them, up-tempo them, etc. Yeah. Uh, it existed for key, a year. Major key, minor key. Yes, major and minor. Uh, it existed yeah. for about a year and then it got shut down. Uh, so it's just gone yeah. now. Because I'm assuming they, no one wanted, no one in the music industry wanted that to exist. I'm assuming. Well, I had not heard that it came out. I would have snagged that up immediately mm -hmm. wherever I could have. Yeah. Right. Because that's what I wanted DJ Hero to be back in the day. But DJ Hero, at the time, I didn't know what DJs did, and so mm. now that like I know that, Wicca, right? Mm. Mm. That's what I thought. Right. You thought it, you think it's like a you know the. Right, you think it's going to be that little scratching sound, but it's not, um, and it's a lot of uh, fading back and forth between the songs, and that game is about hitting those cues, and if you don't know what DJs do, it's not a fun and engaging game. You want Fuser. Fuser is what you're looking for, so I want more stuff like that. Sorry, I didn't mean to get up on, on as no, long of a no, soapbox no. as I did. Yeah, He says I, after <laughs> I went off... <laughs> I think you would. I'll say this: I had to play this for uh, prep for a charity, the charity room later this uh, later this month. You'll hear plugs from that coming from us uh, in the near future because uh, a bunch of about half the corrupt crew is involved in this year's event. But I'm playing Sayonara Wild Hearts as one of the games that I'm playing, uh, and I had to practice that game. And I think you'd actually. It's not. It's not a licensed soundtrack, but it's music that could be licensed music. It's like actually genuinely mm. a bunch of like pop bangers. Uh, okay. And like an hour of game, and it's all rhythm, but it's all like visual rhythm spectacle, like a Res Infinite type game. I know you don't know what that is, but okay. um, no, it, I do. I know what Res is. Oh, you know, oh, you know, we we played Res at your house the one time mm -hmm. in VR. That's right. Yeah. When I was showing you yeah, VR. Yeah. 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 Um. Yeah. So I think you. I think you'd enjoy that. Um. Peter, do you have? You said I'm, you might, might have I'll one more. I'll give it a try. I do. Well, I have two more because I've been thinking sure. about 
We're just going to keep this podcast going. No, um, keep it going. Go off, go off. I, I've been thinking about this, this, this musical idea. And when I was a kid, I loved light gun games. Still do, but I did when I was Ooh. a kid too. And I'd love for some sort of a Namco light gun game collection to come out with one of those new Sinden style light guns that's mm-hmm. super responsive. Just a quick point. There's not a lot of depth to talk about this with, but bring back light gun games on home consoles. The other point I, I had... Like- I was going to say that I, I think we did see one of those like in the past couple of years, right? That was one it? that oh. Bolt reviewed. Yeah, the one that they sent was, me. That was no good. No it w- good. It wasn't bad. But that's the only one, right? But it only had like five games, I think. Um, yeah. It was fine. There, I feel like the Switch should be capable. I know the Switch has an IR sensor. So it should yeah. on paper be capable in the same way that the Wii light gun stuff was, was functional to some degree. Obviously, it was the Wii mode, so the, the aiming wasn't stellar. But it should be doable. I mean, we have a House of the Dead remake that's coming out soon. Yeah, there's um, there's um, there's this like kickstarted light gun that's coming out that is like a Raspberry Pi in the gun, and it scans the four corners of your screen, oh. and it creates a box, and it's way more responsive than any like IR that's sensor so stuff. So cool. So that's they should. Awesome. That's really neat. It's it's really yeah. great, um, and you don't have to like attach anything to your TV or anything. It just detects where your screen is. It's great. That's so um, fucking cool. Goodbye. Yeah, you yeah. can. You can buy. Do buy. Um, I probably will. What was, the, what was the name I of that feel again? like a salesman. It's called the Sinden Light Gun. S-I-N-D-E-N. Okay, okay hopefully yeah. that will be... And then you had be... one more thing, didn't you? There, uh, yeah. Yeah, the other thing. While we're talking about our dream open world game where you knock over a fence and then a path grows over the fence. Um, I've been thinking a lot about uh, what I've always wanted from open world games. And part of it is that kind of like, imagine all these possibilities with like, you know, crazy shit like that um something i love about the yakuza games is they sneak in mini games like everywhere it's like you can go into every building not everybody can go into heap of buildings and just go and sing songs or play pool you can't play pool in any of them but you can you know run a business i think you can in one of them okay great fantastic (laughs) yeah um and and like you know do baseball and stuff and and there's a game that just came out called dave the diver i haven't played it yet i saw the the trailer for it though I've downloaded it. I'm ready to play it. The trailer for it just shows this game where like you do all this diving and then suddenly you're farming and suddenly you're running a sushi store and you're doing yeah. this and that. And I think when I play open world games, like how many times have you played a video game, seen like a pinball machine in the video game, walked up to it and been disappointed that you can't play it? Yeah. Every time. Yeah. Like every time. And I think, I think a video game... I think the Yakuza games are really, really good at this, but more games I wish would design themselves around showing you a thing and then having that little like, oh, wow, you can actually do this moment where there's a mini game tied to it. Yeah. And make a really small world like the, I guess, I guess I'm just talking about Yakuza, but I wish, I wish games would trend further towards what Yakuza does in this space. It's valid. I really like the idea of, um, discovery test drive unlimited was really good at this too you'd like you'd see a house in the game you'd be like oh that's a cool house and then it turns out you can buy it and you can own the garage and put all your cars in the garage and walk around in first person and open all your car doors and stuff like that i think is so much more novel and interesting um in video games than i think AAA developers realize but it is a lot of work to do all that stuff and i fully realize it's somewhat unrealistic in most games but still that's something i'd like to see a lot more of I, and I was going to say there was a game that did a, a fascinating thing with that, which was Homefront Two, <laughs> yes. where the arcade, ah. the arcade. If you go into the, uh, the the garage, the arcade has the only PC port of Time Splitters Two yes. ever. 
on it yeah, randomly. Yeah, it's crazy. <laughs> it's so funny. And people have modded the game to strip out Homefront 2 yep. just yeah, so just you can play splitters. Time Splitters, which is great. And, and I was going to say, with um, the thing with the, the Yakuza slash Like a Dragon now games it mm. is I want my games to be shallower so that we can have more of that stuff. Because now I'm not saying those yeah, games are shallow. They're not. But they release one to three of those a year for the last like decade from 2017 when when we in the in the west got uh yakuza 0 we had yakuza 0 and kiwami in the same year we had kiwami 2 and yakuza 6 in the same year and judgment the same year i believe as well um we had uh the yakuza 3 4 and 5 remasters we had uh the second judgment game we had yakuza ishin remake we have two more yakuza games coming uh in the the new saga of games they keep making these games and they, I mean, part of it is that they've had all these features in there the whole time, except for the one and two that I want to come back where there's, in Japan, there are really these things where you, like, you just pee in, if you aim in the right spot when peeing in a urinal, you get, like, it's like a mini game. I want that because oh, then people awesome. won't miss mm, in a bar. Mm. It'd be really cool. Um, That's sick. Oh, they should have a mini game where you shower. I know they have that in uh, Red Dead Redemption too. But that uh, would convince a lot of people to shower. Encourage, yeah, encourage hygiene. Yeah, my these cool character that I like showers. I should shower. (laughs) I look up to him. (laughs) It's a reminder. But no, I mean I've said before that I think uh, I think Yakuza might be my modern favorite series because of stuff like that because it does something that no other games do, Mm. but that every game could. It's not it's not a lot of extra work to make things that much more immersive with such tiny little details you just need to have the passion for it and you need to decide whether you want to scale down your world to make room for these smaller features or if you do want yeah. a big empty lifeless world because it's it's one or the other at this point currently yeah I, I i we've talked about this before but yeah like likewise yakuza is my favorite currently running video it's game so series good. play yakuza. and i think i think is it what yeah, was the seventh yakuza. one Ishin's probably my game of the year this year, even though it's a remake. And the seventh game is probably one of my favorite games ever made. Alongside Far Cry 2, which we've already discussed is the best game ever made. Objectively the best game ever I mean, it's really good, though. It's so systemic, right? Like, it's so good. You get to yeah. do th- just throw out a Molotov. It's cool. It's great. Yeah, it's that's fun. right. Is it fun? It's incredibly uh, fun. <laughs> but do Stressful <laughs> fun. Like a, like it's a thriller. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, and it's one of those games where, like, what are you going to do? I don't know. I don't actually know what my objective is right now. <laughs> yeah, and, so you and, just, and, you and just if, do. If, we're, if we're circling all the way back to games that show a mini-map, it was really good at, like, you had to pull up the map and look at it and look at where it's telling you to go, then put the map away and figure mm-hmm. it out, you know? Yeah. All of the stuff. So I have one last question for you, because I think we're going to be wrapping this up here, um, Minnie. And I think Mm -hmm. this is kind of, we're going to go back to the beginning here a little bit. Um, What's your most memorable experience or interaction as a YouTuber so far? Ooh. Whoa. That's a good question. The the most memorable experience was someone tweeting me saying, I think I just walked past Minnie-Me and then... Turns out we're in the same gym and it was kind of, <laughs> it was kind of funny because he walked over, I'm, I'm sitting on a legs machine. So I'm sitting down, he's standing up being like, Hey man, love your cars videos. I'm like, thanks. <laughs> and then we just, we just go back to like exercising on opposite parts of the room. Um, but like, I, I guess there's a, there's a massively surreal nature to being a YouTuber that, um, 
catches me up a lot. And I think I think a lot of like it's 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 stuff like making friends or even just chatting to like people who influenced me in mm. my life. Like like having a profile on the internet means people notice you and having like people that I admire so much notice me notice me senpai um is quite um rewarding and I guess that's not an individually memorable experience. Um, I think, I think like it's, it's such an all encompassing question. There are things that I'm immensely proud of. There's work that I've done that I'm incredibly proud of. There's work that I've done that I'm incredibly embarrassed by. Um, I don't know. I don't know. I'm doing packs this year, which is sort of my first public appearance as a YouTuber. So I'm That'll be really cool. Which packs? Pax Melbourne, Australia, oh. which is a thing. Um, but yeah, no, I, I, I guess that's a hard question to answer. Aside from the dude who saw me at the gym and it was super awkward. That was a, that was very memorable. Um, I like that one a lot, though, because that's like the ideal YouTuber experience because it's just, hey, like your stuff. Cool. You maybe chat for a minute and then you go back to existing. Like, I feel like a lot of YouTubers have the horror stories of they're in the bathroom peeing and someone goes, oh, my God, big fan. And they go and like try and shake your hand while you're peeing. Yeah. Yeah. There's, there's a lot of funny. <laughs> like Square Eyed Jack, who was a YouTuber, was in town a couple of weeks ago and we just spent a day hanging out. And it's and, and, and another thing happened with Color Shed a few months ago, who's another YouTuber. And these are like my peers and there's just something, even with you guys, like talking to you guys now is, is, is quite surreal to me, even though we've known each other for a really long time. I guess it's, it's always, it's always quite crazy to me that, I don't know, this weird thing I do on the internet, um, links me up with other people that I admire. I think that's sort of the main, the most rewarding part of what I do. Uh, sorry to get all sincere. No, but, no uh, that's the right yeah. answer, I think. Yeah. yeah, I'm. Uh, and I have a lighter-hearted, quick, quick question for you, mm. if you don't mind. Uh, favorite Fast and Furious movie? Ooh. Dude, probably Tokyo Drift. Um, <laughs> but maybe like I don't know. Five is good. One is good. The Tokyo Drift is kind of not a Fast and Furious movie, but it's such a sublime movie. Like, dude, that movie, the, the way it's shot is gorgeous. Like, it, I don't know what it is. But every single frame in Tokyo Drift is beautiful. And people are just like, oh, Tokyo Drift, fucking stupid, dumbass movie. You should look at, like, the cinematography in Tokyo Drift. Like, pretty much every frame in that movie is, like, fucking frame it and put it on your wall good. And uh, I yeah, feel like Yeah, it's gorgeous. That, but Lucas yeah, Pack is a bad actor. <laughs> yeah, that's part of the fun. But, yeah, um, that's, that's the charm of it, yeah. But it's, it is a beautiful, beautiful film. And sometimes I will just pop it on at any scene just to look at it. Like there's, there's a, there's a, there's a way, there's a way that movie sweeps me away that is surprising for a fucking Fast and Furious movie. I really want there to be a Photoshop now of you, but as the florist from Yakuza, uh, the guy with the, the, the hundreds of, uh, camera and tv monitors and they're all just different scenes of tokyo drift <laughs> i really want that now it'd be beautiful me start too. making start making amvs of my music to tokyo drift mm, clips mm. oh dude the soundtrack in that movie too oh, oh it's all oh, dude pharrell so, oh dude oh, man when when that, fast, that, that's, um, that's, are we on 11 now or are we on 10 part two 
We're on 10 part <laughs> two coming out soon. Okay. 10, 10 just happened. Okay. Yeah, 10 just happened. So when, when, 10, mm. when, when Final Fantasy X-2 comes out, uh, we'll have you back on to do a, a, a discussion <laughs> of that movie with uh, Nico and Comparing other people them? who care about oh, that movie. Absolutely. Um, yeah. That sounds like a plan. And, uh, I was going to say, because I got the Hobbs and Shaw poster right true. here. You guys have Hobbs you know, and Shaw right behind it. <laughs> just called, I think he just called it Final Fantasy X-2. I did, yeah. He did. Yeah, yeah, okay. I mean, it's yeah, FF10 no, too. It's correct. Like, they're, they're, yeah, no, you're right. You're right. Yeah. I want Vin Diesel <laughs> in short shorts a, a holding Freudian guns on the cover. Slip. No. Um, yeah. But but yeah. with that, I, I think it goes without saying that uh, you are more than welcome to pop on anytime. You have, if you were like, hey, I want I want to talk about this, give us a time. We'll figure it out. We'll throw you on. Oh, um, I love that. You are the if unofficial. I have a to pick with a Sony game, I'm here. I'm yeah, saying, absolutely. Or even if you want to do, if you ever want to do a pre-recorded clip and just send it in, we'll just we'll just play it. And we'll pretend that you're there <laughs> with us. Live. All right. Yeah. yeah. Um, <laughs> I'll, I'll, I'll send in topics. Yeah. So uh, <laughs> the mini me manifesto has come in today. We're going to be playing this. <laughs> We'll get art All for right, that we and got, everything. We got a video message. <laughs> oh, I love that so much. Really shitty Zoom, like uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> like Nokia. Yeah, yeah. Mm. Oh, I love that so much. Um, so yeah, you're welcome to more. Come on anytime. You're more than welcome to. Uh, you know where to find the three of us. We're on here every week, so we won't plug ourselves this week. But uh, where can we find you, Minnie? Uh well, when I was eight years old, I spelled this username in a really stupid way. So it's <laughs> Minnie Me. But it's M-I-N-I-M-M-E. So search that up and I should come up on, you know, YouTube and Twitter and stuff and check me out. Would appreciate it. And thanks for having me on. Of course. Uh, of course. It's been a pleasure and I'd love to come on again. Anytime. Literally anytime. Mm. Uh, you boys have anything else you want to say before we call it for today's episode? It sounds like a no. <laughs> Uh, make sure you leave a review if you didn't already. Make sure you hit the like button if you didn't already. If you decide you don't want to like the video after you've liked it, you can take it back, but the likes really do help until then. Uh, we will see you next week for another episode of The Crubcast, and until then, we still don't have an outro. Goodbye. Goodbye.